0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu podcast. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti can- cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest T-shirt known to man. A Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Fill out the quick Google form. Register for your points bet account and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this t-shirt. And then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bear Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink. And thanks to Bet for sponsoring the podcast. What's up, guys? Back to review week number six of the NFL. And uh, ooh, I can just tell you right now, it's, uh, it's brutal. It was uh, a combination of some bad picks and uh, a lot of upsets, actually. I think uh, five of the eight Sunday games were upsets. Um and uh, yeah and, and the other one were just like um well two for sure I wish I could have back would be the Cleveland New England game and the uh, Miami uh, Minnesota game I I picked the Dolphins thinking that Tua was going to start because he was practicing last week he did not and if I'd have known that I probably would have taken uh the Vikings but uh, yeah easy for me to say that uh, now but those are definitely two. Like, I actually completely forgot that I'd picked the Browns until I checked my picks when I was watching the games. Like, I picked the England to win this game, right? And then, nope. Like, that was the one you couldn't pick, and you just went with the home team. Like, doy. What a mistake that was. But, uh, yeah. And with uh, with the bye weeks uh, starting up, that meant I had fewer games to uh, gamble with uh, this week. So instead of 16 Last week, having that little extra buffer to try to kick up the win total a little bit. Margin of error is smaller this week and will be until like, I don't know, week 14 or something like that. And then we'll finally get a full slate uh, again. So my margin of error is uh, not going to be what I need it to be. But uh, let's go ahead and and, and dive right in. This is the week six NFL review episode of the Bear Stock Underground. So let's get to it. start in Chicago on Thursday night the Bears hosting the Washington commanders uh, wearing these dreadfully bad orange uniforms uh, orange helmets orange jerseys this was just hell on earth uh, for me you know I I, um, I can't express that to you enough uh, and also something else I can't express to you enough, um, the bears did not, or excuse me, the commanders did not win this game. The bears lost it because, uh, you know, anyone who watched that game, the bears were winning, you know, the bears wa- were, were winning that game. They were far more dominant. They were far more productive on both sides of the football and, you know, throughout the entire game and it, it boiled down to four plays. Uh, you know, it just—it's as simple as that. It was the um, the Jonathan Allen, the defensive tackle for Washington. Well, you know, was there to make the interception after Justin Fields skipped it off a defensive lineman's head at the line of scrimmage. Um, <clears throat> the um. Uh, the linebacker for Washington, whose name I still don't know. I haven't double-checked to see who it was. But beat, you know, won the one-on-one with Khalil Herbert at the goal line on the Bears' second red zone trip to turn the Bears away. So that's two plays Washington made that we didn't. The third was recovering Valus Jones's muffed punt after the Soldier Field turf monster tripped him up. And, you know, he was on his knees and the ball hit him in the face. If he's standing... On his two feet, he catches that ball in his chest, or at least it hits him in the chest before he drops it. Um, they recovered that fumble, and then two plays later, uh, Brian Robinson Jr. runs it in for what would be the game-winning touchdown. That is all Washington did essentially in this football game. Yeah, they had some, uh, you know, some nice runs on the ground, uh, you know, throughout the course of the game, but Wentz had 99 yards passing. The leading rusher, Robinson, had 60 yards uh, in the football game. It's not like they did much of anything. Uh, Yeah, they sacked, uh, you know, their defensive line uh, held its own for sure. You know, constantly in Fields' face, caused five sacks, beat him up really good. But, you know, the Bears were moving up and down the field. They just couldn't finish. They could not finish. They had a third and final chance in the red zone at the end of the game weren't able to get it done, and, you know, the commanders turned the Bears away, win the game 12-7, and for the fifth goddamn week in a row, I get the Thursday night game wrong. So, yeah, good stuff, and it it was an omen for how the rest of the week was going to go because I think you would have to consider the Bears losing that game, or at least I would anyway in my extremely biased opinion. That was an upset. The Commanders weren't going to win that game, and they certain didn't, certainly didn't play like a team that deserved to win. I'm going to be honest with you. You can call it sour grapes if you want, but the, the Bears outplayed the Commanders, and we lost, uh, we lost the game. The Commanders did not win it. You'll never be able to convince me uh, otherwise. So it was just an unmitigated uh, mess from start to finish, and uh, one that I, I'm glad I can close the book on this one finally, and I don't have to talk about it again. You know, until we review the entire season, at which I will talk about this game at length because it will still piss me off anytime in the future for the rest of my life that I talk about it. For all of my OGs out there, if you guys remember, I don't know what it is about the Bears and Thursday night games, but if you remember uh, back in 2009, Bears, 49ers, Thursday night football, Cutler throws five interceptions in that game. <laughs> You know, it was like our defense struggled so much throughout the season. Actually, it was a lot like this game against Washington. But instead, it was uh, uh, instead of, you know, we traded in on, uh, you know, finished uh, drives in the red zone uh, for Cutler throwing five interceptions in the game. We're playing against an inferior team, uh, a, a team that, uh, you know, didn't really have any business uh, beating us, that we were definitely better than going into the game. But Jay Cutler threw five interceptions, I think two or three of which weren't his fault. Like, I think two or three of those interceptions bounced off of our receivers into the defender's hands kind of thing. And even, even despite all of that, much like this past Thursday game, the Bears had a chance to win it on the final play. Um, Cutler threw it to Greg Olson, which is exactly where everybody else knew he was going to be throwing the ball. It gets picked off uh, in the end zone. Uh, and we lose the game on the last play, much like uh, Fields throwing it to Mooney uh, in the end zone. We got turned away on the final play. So, But if you remember, I lost my mind after that game. It's one of my epic rants that people still remember to this day, for those of you who have been with me that long. You remember the rant that I gave after that Thursday night game. It was brutal. It was brutal, and that's how angry I was. And to this day, that game still pisses me off. That's how I'm going to feel about this Washington game when I'm celebrating year 30 of the Bears Talk Underground. I will still talk about this game as being one of the more memorable episodes uh, I did or, you know, how angry I was going into a review episode. So, now we move into the Sunday games. San Francisco traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons two and three, the Niners three and two. Man, the Niners are getting killed uh, by injuries. Man, I had no idea they were that short-handed uh, going in the game. It's like never mind Trey Lance, but I don't think they've gotten their that running back that that was you know gouging the Bears before he got hurt. I don't know that he is back uh, yet, but they're like missing two or three starters on the offensive line now, a bunch of uh, and a bunch of defensive players as well. And despite all that. I think statistically they still have one of the best defenses uh, in the NFL. But, uh, you know, this one got off to an ugly start uh, for San Francisco. Number one, that number one defense couldn't stop the Falcons from uh, marching right down the field and, and scoring on their first drive. 11 plays, 74 yards, uh, finished off by a, a Michael Pruitt TD pass from Marcus Mariota to go up 7 nothing. You know that opening drive took almost took over six minutes, and then um, the Forty uh, Niners. Uh, it was uh, they're they're running the uh, football, and uh, Jeff Wilson, the running back for the for the Niners, fumbles it. Um, they uh, the, the Falcons scoop it up and run it in for a touchdown. It was a weird thing. the The guy that ran, that picked the ball up and ran it ninety nine percent of the way, kind of like does that thing where he's about to go out of bounds and. Kind of sticks his hand out so that maybe he will cross the so that he can make the go, the ball cross the plane of the goal line. Ball falls out of his hand and the guy and it's Jalen Hawkins that recovers it in the end zone. He's the one that gets credit uh, for the touchdown. And I forget who it was that picked it up and ran it in, but he was the one that fumbled it into the end zone and the Falcons recover it and it's fourteen to nothing, uh, just like that. Uh, against the uh, uh, the 49ers. Now, they would bounce back. Um, Garoppolo hit Ayuk on, uh, two, on two different touchdown passes to even a score at 14, but the uh, Falcons came right back down just before halftime, and uh, Mariota runs it in on a keeper uh, to make it 21-14 to 14 at half. And, you know, watching the, the highlights uh, of this one, the condensed version of the game, Uh, online, Mariota looked like his old Heisman, uh, you know, Oregon University self, running the RPOs to perfection, throwing the ball well. He didn't have an incompletion until the fourth quarter. That's how efficient Mariota was uh, in this game. He was 13 of 14 for the game. Uh, You know, he only threw for 129 yards, but he had the two, uh, he had two touchdowns and uh you know one running one passing uh or actually excuse me he had two touchdown passes he he threw one to Kyle Pitts uh in the fourth quarter with about 5 minutes to go that's essentially what put the game away uh but the you know the Falcons defense really stepping up uh forcing uh turnovers Garoppolo threw uh two interceptions uh to go along with those two D- td passes to uh Ayuk and and you know and the Falcons get an impressive win at home 28 28- to fourteen, but again, I picked the Niners to win this one. I consider this one one of those uh, Sunday afternoon upsets that I was uh, talking about. So it's like I am off to a bad start. I am zero two already, and then you fast forward. Now we go to Cleveland, uh, the Patriots, and the uh, Browns, and on the opening drive, Jacoby Brissett uh, is picked off, which uh, you know essentially turned out to be an omen. Uh, for the Browns on on how that day was going to go, you know, Jacoby Brissett is not the flashiest quarterback in the world, and uh, but he also hasn't he's he's been very efficient. He's protected the football, and he threw two interceptions against the uh, against the Patriots on Sunday, and then on the other side, <laughs> Bailey Zappi, fourth round pick, making his second start last week was his first against the uh lions but zappi was outstanding in this one you know uh 3 24 of 34 309 and two touchdowns uh in the ball game uh you know they, they it was uh, 10-6 with the patriots uh with the lead at the half but they scored a a touchdown on the opening drive of the second half um for new england and that was uh Tyquan thornton uh catching the pass from Zappi from about 2 yards out. uh Hunter Henry had a 31-yard catch later on in the third quarter and that's kind of what uh led the um Patriots to kind of pull away uh from the um from the Browns. You know, cuz it was it was on like Donkey Kong in the fourth quarter with uh two more touchdowns uh being added to the uh to the board. There, you know, the the Patriots, um, the Patriots muffed a, a punt late in the fourth quarter, or excuse me, um, the, uh, the Browns muffed a punt, uh, late in the fourth quarter that led to, uh, another touchdown, uh, for the Patriots where they just kind of pulled away. It was 24 to 15 at the time. And then the Pats add those, uh, you know, a touchdown off the muff punt and then scored another touchdown on their next drive. Um, on uh, after a fumble. So it's like the the Browns were basically just giving the game away there at the end after they pulled it within 24-15, back-to-back turnovers really hurt the Browns. The Patriots capitalize and they walk away with an easy one. And here I was thinking like yeah, I picked the Patriots to win. Why wouldn't I pick the Patriots to win this game? Uh you know, it's it's uh they're playing really good defense. Zappy seems to know what he's doing out there despite his rookie fourth-round status uh, and everything. Not to mention, the, the one thing I didn't think about when I was doing the preview episode was Brissett used to play for Belichick. Belichick really does well against his former players, uh, former coaches and things like that. It's uh, I didn't really think to account for that, but uh, there it was, and I was wrong. I did not pick the Patriots. I picked the Browns. Like a dumbass. This was, not a, this was not an upset. This was a bad pick. I thought I'd pick the Patriots, but at the end I realized I picked the Browns because I was toiling back and forth. I, now I, I know Bailey Zappi can play, and I get to watch him beat the crap out of the Bears next Monday uh, as they march up and down the field on us, and that defense uh, of New England uh, makes an example of Justin Fields and company on national TV next week. So, yeah, bad pick. I'm still I'm Owen 3. I didn't get a pick right yet. Moving on to Green Bay where the Jets visited the Packers. The Packers wearing 50s throwback uniforms. I didn't hate them, you know, they're just very basic uh just plain yellow helmets, uh solid green unis with the yellow numbers, but it wasn't anything special, you know, just like meh. All right. I don't hate it, but it's nothing special at the same time uh pretty boring uh first half uh the the only fireworks uh in the first half were that each team blocked a kick uh in the in the game. Um, I believe the the Jets blocked a field goal the the Packers blocked a punt uh the, and to and the result of that was a three three tie uh, at the half. Mason Crosby kicked a field goal at the first half gun to send it in a 3-3 tie into the half. And then pretty much the Jets took over from there. You know, uh, Robert Sala and his defense harassing Aaron Rodgers all day long uh, in this one. I'm trying to pull up the uh, the box score so I can see. Um, man, it's okay. It felt like more than that, to be honest with you. Watching the, the highlights in that condensed version, uh, says they they sacked Rogers four times, but they were in his face a lot more than that, and so it shows only two QB hits. That, no, 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 that wasn't that's not right. But um, you know, granted, I don't get the full context of watching the whole game, but if if those were the only hits on Rogers, the four sacks and the two QB hits, every single one of them was in the highlight reel because it looked like they were constantly harassing uh Rogers uh in that one and and uh putting him in a bad spot. I mean he was still twenty six to forty one for two forty six and a touchdown, so no interceptions, no fumbles uh or anything. Actually I take that back. He fumbled twice and he lost the one. Look at me. So uh yeah, but um you know they were constantly in his face. AJ Dillon was the leading rusher, ten carries, forty one yards. Aaron Jones, nineteen yards on nine carries, so the Jets really shut uh, that running game down that the uh, the Packers like to rely on, especially since their you know since their receiving core isn't what it used to be. Uh, Alan Lazard had seventy six yards on four catches and a touchdown. Robert Tunyon ten catches for ninety yards, but everybody else is twenty five yards, twenty one yards, twenty yards, eleven yards. It's like it was it was Tunyon or Lazard or nothing as far as getting production. Uh, in the passing game, uh, for them, and it was, uh, you know, the Jets blocked this another kick. They blocked a punt this time, ran it in for a touchdown to go up seventeen uh, to three uh, late in the in the ball game. I believe that was in the third quarter. Yes, in the third quarter, it was the 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 blocked, uh, the blocked punt. Uh, the Packers got as close as seventeen to ten when Rogers hit Lazard. Uh, for that touchdown, but the Jets dominated uh the rest of the way. Brees Hall uh ran the ball. He's he that kid's gonna be special. Twenty carries, 116 yards, and a touchdown uh for Hall. He scored that touchdown in the fourth that put it out of reach, made the score twenty four to ten with about uh you know, right at the start of the fourth quarter, but the Jets defense wasn't letting up uh after that and they smashed the uh smashed the Packers 27 to 10. The Jets are undefeated on the road this year. Four and two overall. But um, their, their victory over Miami last Sunday was their first home win of the year. And they are otherwise spotless on the road thus far. Who did they beat? I mean, obviously, they beat Green Bay on Sunday. They beat, oh, the Browns and the Steelers. So, yeah, that checks out. 3-0. and On the road, lost to the Ravens, lost to the Bengals. So they lost to awesome teams uh, or great, good teams at home, but beat the Browns, the Steelers and the Packers on the road. And uh, their win against the Dolphins last week was their first home win uh, of the year. They are four and two uh, right now. And um, actually, I just was just looking at, I missed it. And they have the Broncos in Denver next week so will they add to that road uh total uh against the broncos who um as i'm recording this are ahead 13 to 10 at halftime over the uh over the chargers so we're gonna do a little fancy editing to squeeze all of the games in here together uh, once that's done with but uh you know this is a, one of those upsets i mean I don't think anybody had the Jets pegged to beat Green Bay in Green Bay. And, and and if you guys remember, one of the reasons that I picked Green Bay to win is that this is a team that doesn't make a habit of losing back-to-back football games, having lost to the Giants last Sunday uh, in London, and they're returning home and, and all the rest of that stuff. I thought they were primed for a get-back game, but... It must still be suffering from some jet lag because the Jets put their foot in their ass and didn't pull it out for the rest of that football game in the second half. So, uh, an impressive win for the Jets. Like I said, four and two. Are they legit? Uh, time will tell. But uh, they're playing some good football. They played their best game of the year uh, on Sunday, dominating the Packers uh, in the second half. It was a tight, back and forth, you know, ball game. Um, in the first half, but in the second half, it was all jets. You know, it was three, three at the half and the jets won the second half, 20, 24 to seven to pull away with the 27, 10 victory. And here I am still looking at a big fat goose egg in the wind column because I ain't got one right yet. We move on to Indianapolis, the Jags, uh, with the rematch against the Colts in Indianapolis this time. And, um, <sighs> I don't know if you'd call this one an upset, but it feels like one with the way the Colts have been playing. Um, the Jags all of a sudden, I you know, making me look stupid because I picked them like two weeks in a row. Now they've lost two weeks uh, in a row. But the ending to this game was really something, man. I mean, it was really a back-and-forth battle uh, in the second half. You know, it was a 14-13 uh, Jacksonville lead uh, at halftime. The Jags were absolutely killing uh Indy with the run. Uh Travis Etienne, uh you know had big gains uh in this one. Uh Hasty, a sixty one yard touchdown run in the second quarter. That put them up fourteen uh to three. But then it's like watching the highlights. You know, like I said, I'm I'm watching a condensed version of this game, but something that I kept seeing that I don't know how it was that Jacksonville wasn't catching on to it or or maybe um, I don't know. But what what I kept seeing that worked over and over again for Indianapolis was they would have the formation as such that there would be one or two receivers or like two receivers on 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 like let's for instance on this play, it was two wide receivers on the right hand side of the formation, and those two receivers would run clearing routes, like they would run, you know. Big routes or you know or, or fly routes straight all just just running upfield and, and and what it turned out to be was it was a clearing route because they would run upfield taking their defenders with them and then the Colts would run a cross or a slant pattern into the void that those receivers left behind and the receiver would be wide open every single time. when the when the Colts needed a play, That's what they did over and over and over, and I don't think Jacksonville stopped it once for all the times that I saw them run it in that 10, 12-minute highlight reel. Every time I saw Indy run that play, it worked like gangbusters. You know, they needed six, they would get eight. They needed 12, they'd get 14 so on and so forth, and Jacksonville either never caught on or just did not know how to stop it because Indy ran it over and over again. They'd run those receivers upfield, clear out a zone, and they'd have a, a receiver running a crossing route running into that area. He'd catch the pass, turn upfield, get whatever yardage he needed for a first down. They did it over and over again, and it worked virtually every single time uh, I saw them run it. And with Jonathan Taylor out, the Colts relied heavily on Matt Ryan and his arm and the passing game. And, uh, you know, it was uh, something that it was ultimately what helped them uh, do the Jaguars in. You know, Matt Ryan, three sixty three eighty nine and three touchdowns on 42 of 55. You know, let me see how many plays the uh, Colts ran uh, in this one. They ran seventy four plays, so they passed fifty five times out of seventy four. So nineteen runs overall uh, for uh, for the Colts, and their leading rusher was Dion Jackson, who had forty two carries on, or excuse me, forty two yards on on twelve carries. So you know they were, uh, uh, yeah, not relying heavily on the run game at all. Excuse me, it was fifty eight passes. I'm sorry, so they only ran, they only ran the ball sixteen times. Uh, in the game. It says Ryan was forty two of fifty-eight, not for three eighty-nine and three touchdowns. So it was if it wasn't if it wasn't Matt Ryan moving the ball through the passing game, it wasn't happening. Uh it was Pittman and Paris Campbell uh that were catching the those passes. I think Pittman most of all, thirteen catches for one thirty four uh in the game. Alec Pierce caught a touch. I think it was the game winner that Alec Pierce uh caught but you know, the ending of this game uh, was bananas. It was, uh, you know, the, there were three lead changes, I think, at the end. Yeah, yeah, Jacksonville. Jacksonville was up 21-19 to 19 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, Ryan throws a 10-yard pass to Jelani Woods for a touchdown to make it 26-21. The Jags drive it all the way down, 18 plays, 84 yards, 10 minutes uh and Christian Kirk catches a four-yard pass from Lawrence. They go for two and they don't get it. So they're up twenty-seven twenty-six with two forty-four to go in the game. Here come the the Colts all the way down the field. And, you know, uh uh Ryan hits Alec Pierce on a thirty-two-yard pass for a touchdown with seventeen seconds uh to go and uh their uh two point conversion was good and uh they win the game thirty-four uh to twenty-seven. So I mean the Jags had their chance, but in the end, they couldn't stop Matt Ryan and the Colts in the passing game, and they walk away with a uh they walk away with the loss, and the Colts get a win to to improve to three and two. Jags fall to two Oh, excuse me, three two and one. The the Colts had that tie. So three two and one, the Jags fall to uh Two and four. I think they've lost three in a row, just like the, just like the Bears. And again, Dyer keeps the goose egg in the uh, win column. Uh, Here's the other game I wish I could have back: Miami hosting the uh, Vikings. And again, I made that pick on Thursday, thinking that, or Wednesday, thinking that um, that uh, Tua was going to play. I thought that he would give that offense a boost. Uh, and help beat the Vikings. I mean, if Justin Fields could go up and down the field with with his weak supporting cast, then God only knows what what Tua could do with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and, and, you know, Jusecki and, and all those guys uh, as well. Skylar Thompson instead was the starting quarterback. Bridgewater was activated off concussion uh, protocol. He was the backup, but he would come into the game when Skylar Thompson suffered a thumb injury uh the first half though is, it's like a lot of this was going on uh on on sunday which was a lot of very slow starts you know uh you know with the packers 3 to 3 uh at halftime uh you know a lot of these games got off to these very slow starts um yeah 10 6 with the pats at halftime uh you know and all that kind of stuff and obviously the bears and the commanders 3 nothing uh at halftime 7-3 to three halftime lead for the, for the Vikings. You know, the, the Dolphins bottled up that Vikings offense very, very well until the Vikings put a drive together at the end of the second quarter, finishing off with a Cousins to Irv Smith uh, touchdown pass to take a 7-3 uh, lead. They were up 10-3 to three at half. They kicked one just before uh, the end uh, of the first half. Um and, and opportunities were scarce for the Vikings. the The Dolphins' defense showed up uh, to play uh, in this one, but they made the most of those opportunities when they came up. The, you know, the Vikings were very good at, uh, you know, when they got a drive going, they made sure uh, to finish it. You know, and the 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 Dolphins were driving with the possibility to tie, and uh, Jalen fumble or Jalen Waddle uh, caught a pass, fumbles it. Uh, and that turned into Dalvin Cook running, the, running it in for a touchdown that put the game uh, out, of the, out of the way. It was 17-10 to 10 at the time. You know, the Dolphins were driving to try to go ahead and tie it up. But, um, you know, the Jalen Waddle fumble, uh, the Vikings took that one in uh, with a Dalvin Cook touchdown that made it 24-10. to 10. Dolphins added a late touchdown to make it 24-16, but in the end, that was the best they could do. The Vikings come away. Uh, with the win. So me not doing my complete research cost me this one. And let's see, we are one, two, three, four, five, zero oh, and six right now. Here's my respite, though. I finally get one right because the Bengals proved me right when they went into New Orleans and beat the Saints uh, on Sunday. Joe Burrow showing off when he got off the uh, team bus to get into the uh, stadium. He wore his LSU national championship game Jersey uh, upon his return to the Superdome, the site of where he won uh, that national championship. And this was the one game actually that actually kind of got kicked off that were, where the teams kind of hit the ground running where we had, you know, seven to three at halftime, three and three to halftime, three, nothing at halftime. You know, in a lot of these games, Uh, the Bengals and the saints were, uh, I think at least 17-14, maybe more. Let me double check here. Pull up the uh box score real quick. No, it was 20 to 14. New Orleans up 20 to 14 at halftime. So these guys were were, were coming to play uh right off the uh right off the bat. And um you know, the the Saints went up early on the uh the strength of uh we got a Traquan Smith touchdown pass from 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 Andy Dalton, uh Rashid Shahid, the rookie uh, wide receiver took an end around for 44 yards uh and a touchdown and then a couple of Will Lutz uh field goals uh to counteract a uh to counteract the two touchdowns from uh Cincinnati, a Joe Mixon TD pass from Burrow and then Burrow ran one from 19 yards out to make it 20 to 14 at halftime. But the second half was all was all Bengals and and what it was was what's plagued the Bears was they were not able to finish the drives, and by they I mean the Saints, because the the Bengals had three scoring drives in the second half, two of them resulted in touchdowns. The Saints had two scoring drives in the second half; they were both field goals. There's the difference in your ball game, right there. Is that in the second half, the um, Bengals were able to finish it off and put balls in the, in in the end zone. Uh, two Jamar Chase touchdowns being the difference. That second one in the fourth quarter where the uh, you know the Bengals took the lead for good. Um, they were down 26-24. Uh, Burrow swings it out to Chase, who like twisted his way out of a uh, out of a tackle and just you know raced right up the uh, sideline for a touchdown, 60 yards out. Uh, and that was the difference in the game. The Bengals go ahead and win it thirty to twenty-six, making me one for six through the first seven games, and that's where we split it right in half. So with fourteen games, I was one in six halfway through. I mean, how pathetic how pathetic is that? <coughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Points Bet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and Points Bet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU themed threads. For the Bears season, just imagine the blue and orange confetti can, cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest T-shirt known to man—a Bears Talk Underground T-shirt. And it's very simple: you got to go to sportsdrink.org/slash-shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least ten dollars. That's all it's going to cost you. If you want to get your hands on this T-shirt. And then finally, you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstock Underground T-shirt today, and thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink, and thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> now we go back to where upsets killed me the uh, the last two to finish off the early afternoon uh, schedule. Now we head off to New York, where the Giants hosted the Ravens, and um, you know again a mostly uneventful first half the Ravens led 10-7 at the half the both both offenses moved the ball fairly well but had difficulty finishing uh the drives uh, it was uh you know like I said a, a tightly contested back and forth but very uneventful first half um the, the field goals or teams traded field goals in the third uh when both had promising drives that stalled out and um you know things really got cooking there uh in the fourth quarter where uh, Lamar Jackson hit uh, Andrews for a touchdown early in the fourth to give the Ravens a 20-10 to 10 lead. The Giants then came right, right back with it and uh, answered with a touchdown pass of their own from Joe, uh, Daniel Jones to, uh, to Bellinger. Uh, on the ensuing drive, an errant snap from uh, in the shotgun to Lamar Jackson. Okay, Lamar Jackson picks it up, but as he scrambles to get loose in the chaos of the play he throws the ball and it you it, it's it's always ominous when those kinds of things happen because it when when something like that happens it throws everything off and I, what i mean is that errant uh snap it literally throws everything off and it went from this is what the play was to schoolyard ball where you know none of the rules apply uh to football and uh you know Jackson rolls out to his right Makes a throw, and a guy that he wasn't expecting to be there jumps out in front of it, and it was picked off by uh, by Julian Love, and uh, you know it was <laughs> the beginning of the end for the Ravens. Uh, essentially, I mean they hung tough and and, uh, and everything like that, but that uh, that interception uh, was killer. You know, it, it led to uh, the Saquon Barkley. Uh, touchdown that put him up for good, 24-20. Uh, to 20. And, uh, you know, after a, a Marcus Peters interception uh, was called back for pass interference, Barkley runs it in from, from a yard out to make it 24-20. And then first play of the ensuing drive with, uh, you know, less than a minute to go, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau strips Jackson uh, of the of the football and the Giants recover to ice the game, so another. I mean, granted, when a five and one, when the team is four and one, that beats a three and two team or, or whatever uh, the Ravens were coming into this one. Record wise, it's not exactly an upset, but if you know, it's like the Ravens are are regarded as the better of the two teams. I mean, I'm sure that opinion is changing daily since the Giants keep winning football games. With this one, they're 5-1 and one, uh, now on the season, and they're essentially a a bad fourth quarter away from being 6-0. and oh. You know, they were winning in the fourth quarter against the, the Cowboys until the Cowboys kind of pulled through uh, there at the end. That's the one loss that the Giants have against them right now. They've won everything else, uh, including two very impressive wins these last two weeks, last week in London against the Packers, and then this week in... Uh, against the uh, Ravens, and, and not that anybody hasn't been taking them seriously for the past couple of weeks, but nationally, you can't ignore a team that just keeps finding a way to win because that's exactly what happened uh, on Sunday. Uh, they came through, and they made the plays needed in order to come away with the win uh, against the Ravens and uh, deprived me of yet another win. So eight games in, I am 1-7 and seven, uh, for the week. And, uh, you know, mercilessly, the Sunday afternoon games, uh, the early games end in Pittsburgh, where the Steelers hosted the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, you know, Kenny Pickett getting the start once again, opening drive for the Steelers was stolid. Uh, got the got some help from a roughing the passer uh, call. Uh, wasn't as malicious as we've seen, but it was, it was unnecessary. I, was, I actually would regard it, more of an unnecessary roughness call because it was, he didn't hit him in the, uh, you know, it wasn't a blow to the head. He didn't attack him below his knees or anything like that. He basically just shoved Kenny Pickett to the ground. It was unnecessary. That's why I would regard it as an unnecessary roughness call, but he's the quarterback, so it's roughing the passer. So, um, but anyway, they get the, the help in the 15 yards from that. And it ended with Pickett throwing his first NFL touchdown pass to Najee Harris, Giving the Steelers an early seven nothing lead, and then from the looks of the highlights, um, you know the Steelers defense played its best game of the year thus far without T.J. Watt, and I know that they're probably going to get him back soon because it's been this is week five, and I think they were saying six to eight weeks before Watt could come back and everything, uh, but they were they were playing bend but don't break. Uh, Tampa Bay was having to settle uh, for field goals. Um, I, it was the I think believe Tampa Bay was winning at halftime. something I think there was like nine to nine to seven or something like that at halftime. Yes, that's exactly what it was. No, actually, I take it back. Pittsburgh, it was uh, 10 to nine actually is what it was. Uh, Pittsburgh added a 55 yard Boswell field goal to make it 10-9 uh, at the at the half. but then again, in the second half, Tampa Bay scores in the third quarter. It's another field goal. It's they're just, you know, that's the best that Tampa Bay could do uh, throughout the game. Um, you know, the the Steelers had a big kick return to set up a, a red zone drive at the start of the second half, but they settled for a field goal there uh, as well, making it thirteen to nine. And then like I said, the Steeler the the Buccaneers had a field goal later on, making it thirteen to twelve going into the fourth quarter. But in the third quarter uh, you know, Kenny Pickett gets uh, concussed. He's taken out of the game on concussion protocol, which puts Mitch Trubisky back in the game. And all he did was go nine for twelve for 144 yards and a touchdown to lead the Steelers to the win. You know, um, they're up 20 to 12. Uh, and uh, you know, Brady tries to lead the Bucks on a drive. Uh, capped it off with a Leonard Fournette touchdown pass. The two-point attempt was knocked away by Devin Bush, so it's 20-18. And then on the ensuing drive, Mitch led the offense down the field and ended up eating up all the clock, did not give the football back to Tampa Bay to hang on for the win. 20-18 and uh, end their four-game losing streak, so they improve to 2-4. and four. Tampa Bay falls to 3-3. Three and three. And, man, they are really struggling right now. I mean, it's uh, it's got to be frustrating uh, for Brady just in, in, in more of the public sense that all the scrutiny that he's facing now with the, the rumors of him and Giselle being in trouble and the reason for that is he went back on his retirement uh, and came back to play again and the team is not playing well while all of this stuff is still going on. At the same time, it just can't be making his personal life uh, any easier. Whether the things with him and Giselle are true or, or what have you, it's just it's got to suck to be Tom Brady right about now with uh, you know everything that's going on or possibly going on or, uh, or whatever. You know the Bucks are not playing good football, even with Godwin and Evans uh, in the lineup. It's it's still not getting it done on offense. They settled for four field goals. Uh, in this game where you know last year they were just rattling off the points uh and everything so i mean it's i know it's you know it it can't just be because the offensive line i mean i know the offensive line is important trust me as a bear fan i know it's important but man that that can't be what's holding this offense back the way that it's the, the way that it is uh right now you know all the muscle and and the skill players that they have for their offense to be as anemic as it is, it's, it's pretty extraordinary, but um, that was the last of the upsets. Cause of course I did not pick the Steelers to beat the Buccaneers uh, in this one. So where does that put me? I'm um, one for nine, one for one and eight, one and nine, something like that. Yeah. One and eight. So, yeah. So mercilessly we end we 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 end the Sunday um early games. Now we're into the afternoon games and this is where things start to level out a little bit for me. When the Rams hosting the Panthers in SoFi, uh believe it or not the Panthers had a 10-7 lead uh in the first half uh, at halftime after Pat Stafford throws a pick-six just after the 2-minute warning gave the Panthers that that lead, and then the Rams won the seven, the second half, seventeen nothing, to pull away from Carolina, get their record back to the five hundred uh, mark. But um, you know, much like the Bears couldn't figure out that bootleg against the Giants back in Week Four, the Rams constantly fooled the Panthers with the jet sweep. I mean, they just could not figure that one out. Cooper Cup had good gains, win it. Uh, Squiranic ran a TD back. Uh, with it, and then uh, you know Henderson, the running back for the Steelers, capped off the scoring with a short touchdown run in the fourth quarter, make it twenty-four to uh, ten. But it, it was like like I was talking about with the with the Colts game, where the Colts just kept running that clearing route thing, where they'd had two of their receivers run upfield to clear out the area, and then run a receiver on a crossing route into that area, and he'd be wide open every time, and the Colts would get first down after first down with it. The Rams just kept going back to the jet sweep because Carolina just could not figure out how to stop it. They got big gains with it all day long uh, in that one. They come away with the win 24-10, to 10, getting me my second win of the week. So hip, hip, hooray for that. Uh, and then here we go again. Just It's not an upset, just a bad pick. Seahawks beating the Cardinals. Here I was, thought Arizona might be able to win this thing, but... I mean, even though I'm watching a condensed version uh, of the game, 10, 12 minutes at the most, this was an extremely boring game. Lots of defense, field goals in the first half, with Seattle being up 9-3 to at the break. First touchdown of the game was scored by the Cardinals when the Seattle punter fun- fumbled the ball in the end zone and Arizona recovered it. That was the only touchdown Arizona scored uh, in the ballgame. Seahawks added a touchdown early in the fourth quarter to go up 19-9. to His defense ruled the rest of the game on both sides. It was 19-9. to I'm not really even going to bother with who did what because that game sucked. Even in a 12-minute version, I couldn't wait for it to be over. That's how boring it was. So, But Arizona lets me down, so that's another loss on the board for me. And then the big main event on Sunday afternoon, Bills and Chiefs. In Kansas City at Arrowhead, returning to the scene of the crime, if you will, for the Bills, and the game got off to an interesting start. Opening drives for both teams end um, with uh, turnovers. Uh, for the for the Bills, it ended with a a muff exchange between Allen uh, and McKenzie, the running back. Uh, you know the Bill the the Chiefs were able to recover that one. Chiefs took that, drove the ball all the way down into the red zone only to have Mahomes throw an interception to, to Keir Elam, the first-round pick uh, for the Bills. So both teams, red zone trips on the first drive, come away with nothing. Boy, don't we, Bear fans, know how that feels. And, um, you know, with the result of that was a scoreless first quarter. So, again, another slow start as far as scoring points uh, in these games uh, on Sunday. But uh, after a Buffalo field goal, the Chiefs answer with a touchdown drive. Uh, when Juju Smith-Schuster makes a heck of a play. He makes a catch and kind of spins his way out of three defenders, and once he's clear, there's nobody there, and he runs it in uh, for a touchdown. Let me see how far out that one was. Juju Smith-Schuster, 42 yards after the reception, but just before halftime, You know, Josh Allen and Gabe Davis, boy, they love to play football together in Arrowhead. Four touchdown passes in that uh, divisional game uh, last year, and uh, another big touchdown, 34 yards from Allen to Davis with 16 seconds to go in the first half, uh, you know, to uh, put another touchdown on the board. And then then Harrison Butker, the kicker for Kansas City, hit a 62-yard field goal to make it 10-10 at halftime. So essentially... We go into the second half with a 0-0 score cuz we're all knotted up uh at 10. And uh you know, the the Bills in the second half drove into the red zone once again, came away empty when a fourth and goal pass uh falls uh incomplete, but Buffalo did take the lead uh right before uh excuse me. That was um, that was in the second half. That was in the second quarter, my mistake. But Actually, that's why I wrote that down, because there were two drives in the first half where the Bills, like the Bears, came away with zero points. Two red zone trips. The first one where they had the fumble, uh, you know, just as they entered the uh, red zone and then fourth and goal, like the Bears, came away with nothing at fourth and goal. Um, But this is also the difference between the Bills and the Bears, is that the Bills are good enough to survive things like that. They had two red zone trips where they were turned away with nothing and they still won the game. Whereas the Bears, even if they only get one of those three red zone trips to go through, they win the football game. Just one. That's all they needed was one of those to be a touchdown and we're looking at a victory uh, for the Bears. But, you know, that's the difference between the Bills where we want to be and the Bears where we are now is that when you're a good football team, you can survive things like that, even against high-level talent like Kansas City. That's why I wrote that down. But like I said, Harrison Harrison Butker, 62-yard field goal to make it 10-10 at the half. And then in the second half, uh, Stephon Diggs uh, had Buffalo uh, get the the lead halfway through the third with a 17-yard touchdown uh, catch. The Chiefs come right back with a touchdown of their own, Nicole Hardman. Uh, you know, from three yards out to tie it up at seventeen, and uh, with the Chiefs up twenty to twenty to seventeen, the Bills go on a on a drive, and man, favorite play of the whole drive was where Josh Allen decided that uh, they weren't losing this game. He uh, hangs on to the ball on a keeper, sweeping out to the right side, makes a move that I think almost dislocated the kneecaps of the def- of the Chiefs defender. Uh, that he made the move on. I mean, it was ugly how that guy went to the ground. He didn't break his ankles. He broke his ankles, snapped his ACLs, and you know he broke a hip after what Allen did to him. He's upfield. He runs, hurdles the defender. Uh, after that, uh, falls forward for a very decent gain. And then a couple of plays later, finds Dawson Knox in the corner of the end zone for a 14-yard touchdown pass that would put the Bills up 24 to 20. And then on the first play from the ensuing drive, uh, under pressure from Von Miller, Mahomes rolls out to his right, throws the pass, and the um, defender from the Bills steps in front of it for an interception. And the Bills hang on to the football and uh, kneel it and win an arrowhead for the second year in a row uh, in the regular season. But uh, an amazing, amazing ball game. And the uh, the Chiefs come away with the win. For only my third victory of the week, oh man, alive! So, with the we got the Sunday night game left to talk about here in just a second, but three wins out of what twelve games, so I'm three and nine going into the Sunday night game. <laughs> oh man, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I need to win these last two just to stay above five hundred. It's bad. So we move on to the Sunday night game Eagles undefeated hosting the Cowboys. And again, scoreless first quarter uh, ends with the Eagles getting the Cowboys to jump off sides on fourth and four, giving them a fresh set of downs in the red zone. And the Eagles were able to use that to finish the drive with a short mile Sanders touchdown run. And, uh, On the next drive, Cooper Rush had a pass in uh, deflected and then intercepted, which the Eagles drove down to score a touchdown with AJ Brown uh, making the touchdown catch on that one for the Eagles to go up fourteen to nothing. But uh, you know, and then they added a field goal to make it seventeen nothing. They were up twenty to nothing going into. The half and then the, the just before halftime, the Cowboys add a field goal to make it twenty to three, so they weren't shut out in the first half. And then in the second half they come roaring back. Two touchdowns, one in the third quarter, a fourteen yard run from Ezekiel Elliott, and then Jake Ferguson, the tight end, uh, a seven yard pass making it twenty to seventeen. But the Eagles answered that drive with a touchdown drive of their own. Thirteen plays, seventy-five yards, seven and a half minutes off the clock, ending with a Devonte Smith uh, pass from Jalen Hurts to go up twenty-six to seventeen. The uh, two-point conversion failed, so that was your final deficit uh, there, you know. But it's the, the the Eagles dominated the first half, as you can see, twenty to three lead uh, at halftime. They were up twenty to nothing before the Cowboys finally put that uh, field goal on the board. Uh, Cooper Rush had, I think, three interceptions in this one, and uh, losing his first game uh, as a starter, and as it was, it would appear to be his last game uh, as starter. As uh, you know, news coming out today on Monday that the uh, that Dak Prescott was re- going to practice this week, so he's likely to start this weekend. I think they're playing the Lions uh, on Sunday, so. Uh, we'll see. I mean, but that definitely means I think the Bears are going to see Dak Prescott in, in two weeks, uh, in week eight uh, and everything. But, um, you know, they were saying on the, on Sunday Night Football that this is the first – these are the first turnovers that Cooper Rush has uh, has given up. You know, the three interceptions in this game, it really hurt Dallas, uh, killing momentum each time uh, with the Eagles capitalizing on on, on everything – and the Eagles were able to stay undefeated. They're six and zero, still the last undefeated team in the league, winning at twenty six to seventeen, and uh, did so in impressive fashion. I mean, they they let the Cowboys back in it in the second half, but in the end, you know, when you're supposed to be the best team in football, you find ways to win, and the Eagles did, as they pulled away from the Cowboys in the fourth quarter, twenty six to seventeen. And finally, we cap off week number six with the Monday night game between the Chargers and the Broncos and um this was a you know it's it was an interesting interesting game. I watched quite a bit of it. Uh, I watched the entire first half before I recorded the majority of the show caught almost all of the fourth quarter as well when I was done uh recording everything but the Monday night part and um you know it it was a, a I want to say a tale of two halves but it was more more like a a tale of two parts because the first quarter dominated by the broncos uh you know the the offense under russell wilson moving up and down the field settled for a field goal on the opening drive came right back with the on the next drive scored a touchdown on a really nice 39 uh, yard pass to their rookie tight end um Dulcich or Kusuchic or something something like that. Let me let me dig that up real quick. Um, but you know, it was it was an impressive start, and, and it really looked like this was going to be a good night. Uh, Dulcich, that's what it was. Dulcich, so I was close. Um, the rookie tight end out of out of UCLA. Um, I think it was more of a blown coverage thing because he was wide open uh, on the play. Made it ten nothing uh for the uh for the Broncos uh and you know the Chargers not you know not moving the football and and everything like that had a very difficult time with this Denver defense which I think is something that has been overshadowed by the disappointment that has been Russell Wilson and this Broncos offense even with all of its its tools and talents with uh, with Jerry Judy and 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 you know the, the the you know the the rest of the receivers that they have on the team uh, and everything with just this is an offense that struggled this mightily last year with Drew Locke with without a quarterback essentially you know all due respect to Drew Locke and everything but bringing in Russell Wilson a Super Bowl winning quarterback who's on trajectory to go to the Hall of Fame you'd think that adding him into this equation the offense would just start to come together. And it hasn't happened. Um, their highest point total of the season was when they lost to the Raiders. They scored 23 points. That's the highest that they've seen all year. But, you know, the defense, aside from that one bad game uh, against the uh, Raiders, has been outstanding. You know, they've, they've uh, played six games. They're 2-4. and four. Their first game, they lost 17 to 16, so they only gave up 17 points. They won weeks two and three, giving up nine and 10 points to the Texans and the 49ers. They gave up 32 to the Raiders, but that was also when the offense exploded for 23 points. They lost uh, last week on that dreadful Thursday night game, but they only gave up 12 points in that game. And then tonight uh, in San Diego, San Diego. God help me, in Los Angeles against the Chargers, only 19 points uh, they gave up in this game. The The problem being that their offense has scored 16, 16, 11, 23, 9, and 16. And it's just, you know, the, the defense and their effort throughout the year being grossly overshadowed by how poorly the offense is going. I mean, that's the headline. Because the Broncos gave up a king's ransom to bring Russell Wilson in to kind of be the missing piece. It's like You don't make a trade like that unless you think you're one player away from going to the next level. And obviously that's where the Broncos thought they would be at this point. You bring in a Super Bowl winning quarterback to add to these young pieces that you have. The solid offensive line and and all the rest of that. And we'll hit the ground running and really give everyone in the AFC West a run for their money and see if we can't steal a championship uh, of our own uh, in this situation. And that, so far, six games in, just has not happened. It just hasn't happened. The offense hasn't come together. They are struggling to get into double digits. And, you know, after, again, after getting off to a solid start with that 10 nothing lead uh, against the Chargers, they did virtually nothing for the remaining 3 quarters of the game and the defense played so well that they kept the broncos in the game despite the fact that the chargers ran nearly 30 more plays than they did in this ball game the broncos ran 55 offensive plays including overtime and the chargers ran 83 so 28 more plays than the uh, broncos ran uh 10 more minutes time of possession and the defense held them so tight that they only want, they the you know they were tied in in overtime and actually the only thing that lost this game for the Char- for the Broncos at the end was a muffed punt because it looked like i mean I, we looked like we were on our way to another tie with the way that the I mean and, and give credit to the Chargers defense uh, as well bouncing back after being in a 10 nothing hole only allowing six points the rest of the way um you know the only 160 yards passing for for Wilson only about 250 yards total offense uh for the uh for the Broncos only 13 first downs uh in this game and it just you know the they really struggled after that 10 nothing. Uh, lead was established the Chargers really buckled down Sacked Russell Wilson four times in the game including one from our old pal uh, Khalil Mack who I wish was still on the team but um, you know the the Chargers really held firm and it, but it's like was this an outstanding Chargers performance or based on the first six games of the year a par for the course offensive performance because the the they have just not been good at all they have not been cohesive they haven't been able to move the ball consistently and you know they're just not scoring points period uh on the offensive side and and like i've said it's been overshadowing terribly how well the defense has been playing i mean go back and listen to that list of points given up aside from the raiders scoring 32 points they've given up what like nine 10 11 not, and that's not a joke they gave up 10 points nine points to the uh to the Texans only 17 to week one to the Seahawks when they lost 17 16 only 19 points tonight so aside from the Raiders scoring 32 points every other opponent has been held under 20 points and the offense uh you know it, it is the the two games that they've won, they won 16 to 9 and 11 to 10. So <laughs> that is not a recipe for success when, you know, you need your defense to basically pitch shutouts just to have a chance to win a football game. And um, you know, in the end it was the Chargers uh and their kicker uh Dustin Hopkins. Yes, Dustin Hopkins uh who was toughing it out through a hamstring injury. Every field goal that the guy kicked he was on his knees as a result from the pain uh, of kicking uh the ball but he went four for four including the game winner in overtime from 39 yards out to give the chargers the win 19 to 16 uh in overtime but it's like you know the broncos defense has been playing admirably in the first six weeks i'd wager they're one of the best defensive units in the league uh and everything but um They have very, very little to show for it in the first uh, six weeks. So I'm hoping for their sake, Wilson and company figure it out because their defense is playing championship level, in my opinion, and they have nothing to show for it uh, at the moment. So Chargers win. So uh, let's take a look and see where that puts me real quick. We'll take stock of uh, of the win total for the week. Alright, so let's see. I started off the week 0-6. Bengals gave me a win one and six. One and seven, one and eight. Rams gave me a win two and eight. Cardinals let me down two and nine. Bills came through for me. Three and nine. Eagles win. Chargers win. Five and nine for this week. So Record coming into the game, into the week, 43 and 36. So we add five to the win total, gives me 48. Nine to the loss, 45. So 48, 45, and one is where I sit after six weeks. And I don't know, maybe I need to do a little more homework. Maybe I just need to flat out pull my head out of my ass or something uh, to turn this thing around. That is my second losing week. Uh, of the season and I've got a 500 record in there somewhere, but, uh, not really showing off my quote unquote expertise, uh, up to this point. So I have got some work to do as we, uh, run headlong into week number seven and beyond here, uh, in the 2022 season. So let's think, who do I want to give player of the week to, uh, this week, we got some nice candidates, Uh, This year uh, or this week, you know, Brees Hall and he was a stud uh, in the, uh, in the, in the, in the Jets uh, Packers uh, game, Matt Ryan throwing for, you know, 390 something yards and, and cup in a few touchdowns in the Colts game, Um, Jamar Chase, two second half touchdowns to help the, the saints or excuse me, the, the Bengals beat the saints uh, on Sunday do I want to give it to Mitch, 9 of 12, 144 yards and a touchdown in the second half to help the Steelers beat the uh, Bucks on Sunday? Or do I want to take the low-hanging fruit uh, and give it to Josh Allen? You know, I mean, the, the stud play that he made there at the end of the game, that scramble, and then that amazing throw to Dawson Knox for the game-winning touchdown. But actually, in the end, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to go with Bailey Zappi, quarterback of the Patriots, 302 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, leading the uh, Patriots to a solid win over the Chargers. And, uh, you know, maybe that will give me some karma from the football gods so as to, uh, you know, Bailey Zappi has has, uh, shot his wad, if you will, and will not, uh, uh, you know, just run all run you know buck wild on the bears uh next monday so player of the week for me bailey zappy 302 yards two touchdowns and a win over the browns coming off the bench as a fourth round uh draft pick so there you have it guys week number six in the books uh 48 45 and one after six weeks so i'm still still got a winning record for the year hope to build on that week number seven uh, come on back on Thursday, and uh, we'll take a look at those picks. I will have a guest picker with me on the uh, on the preview episode on Thursday, so be sure and don't miss that uh, on Thursday. You guys will never guess who it is. So come on, come on back on Thursday for the preview episode, then we'll be back Friday uh, with the Bears-Patriots. I'm flipping it now because um, – I want to go back to having the you know the the like the Wednesday Thursday, um, uh, what you call injury report to to go with just have a little bit more information uh, to know who's playing, who's not, who's injured, and all the rest of that stuff. So NFL preview switching to Thursday, Bears Patriots or Bears preview episode switching to Friday. uh, Going forward, we'll see how that works. So come on back Thursday for the Week Seven NFL preview, and then you get your week. Seven Bears Patriots preview on Thursday. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Points Bet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and Points Bet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti can cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this t-shirt. And then finally, you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bear Stock Underground T-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with SportsDrink. And thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> Hey man